You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. All right. So like I said earlier, uh, tonight starts uh, a few week series uh, titled Comeback Kids. None of them are kids, uh, but I just like the words. Uh, Come back, kids. How many of you guys like watching movies, right? I love movies. Love, 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 love movies. Um, I think everybody loves a good underdog story, right? No? You're that kid that roots for the Terminator instead of the other guy, right? Uh, um, so I think every, everybody except this guy loves a good underdog story or a comeback story, right? Somebody you think that, like, oh, they're down and out. There's no way that they're going to do whatever it is. They're going to rescue whoever they're trying to rescue or win whatever it is they're trying to win. But then something happens, and it's like, yeah, they saved the day or whatever it was. One movie when I was a kid that I loved, it was, it was like this. It was called The Karate Kid. Not the one that came out in the last few years with Jaden Smith that was terrible. Sorry that you had to endure that. Uh, and don't tear up my pants. Put that thing back together. Um, so that movie was terrible. But the original Karate Kid that's older than you guys are, I think, right? That movie's probably older than they are. Yeah. So when I was a kid, this movie came out. Just quick overview, okay? So it's this scrawny uh, kid that gets, uh, he gets bullied, gets picked on by this other dude. He's like athletic, like hot dude or whatever, right? Just use a weird term that I shouldn't use. Um, so he gets picked on him, uh, picked on by this guy, and then somehow, I don't even remember this part of the story, he meets up with this strange old wise guy, right, that gives him these like weird uh, karate lessons that involve him like cleaning a car and like trying to catch a fly with uh, like chopsticks and stuff. Um, but then, so there are these weird like trainings, uh, but in the end, he ends up competing in this karate tournament and he gets to, like, the final match, and he's, and he's facing this bully, this guy that's been messing with him the whole movie. He's fighting against this guy. He gets injured, and he has to do what's called the crane kick, where he's like, yeah, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, fight, and he's, like, hurt. And so I don't know how he really does this. So it's a movie, and so you have to suspend belief or whatever. And then he's just like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't do that last part. That was just me being awesome. Um, and he takes down this guy, right? And I, I'm not going to tell you how many times... Uh, in my life because it's embarrassing that I've reenacted that particular scene and t- attempted the fat man version of the crane. Yeah, right? Got some air, right? Yeah. Anyway, so we all love these kind of stories uh, when this guy, except for this guy, right? Um, we all love these kind of stories when somebody actually makes their way back, defeats the bully, the bad guy, right? We love it when the hero wins, right? Right, except this guy, right? They keep saying no because he's that guy. Uh, well, there are a lot of these kind of stories in Scripture, actually. Uh, one of them was Moses. A lot of you are familiar with uh, a lot of you are familiar with his story, but we're going to go through it anyway. The, now, his story is in the Old Testament, and there's a lot of it, right? He's got a pretty big part of the Old Testament, his story, and and what he accomplishes. So we're not going to go through that whole thing because that's a lot, right? So we're we're going to actually be in the New Testament. We're going to be in the Book of Acts. Chapter 7, uh, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, actually, he's, uh, at this point, he's given a speech to the high priest in his day. As a part of this speech, he, he does an overview, kind of flyover view of Moses' life. 
So we're going we're gonna to read through that, and out of that we're going to glean, we're going to learn uh, some things about how God uses unlikely people, a.k.a. us. Right? So let's dive in. Uh, there's a lot of reading, so I need you to hang in, okay? Uh, and I'll, the notes that you have, I'll put on the screen when you need to f- fill out uh, those blanks and that sort of deal. But hang in there. There's some reading. We're going to break it up, and we'll talk as we go, okay? So we're in Acts chapter 7, verse 20. Acts 7, verse 20. So here's Stephen talking to the high priest. He said, this time Moses was born. And he was beautiful in God's sight. I could go on for like three sermons on that one sentence. I'm not, we don't have time tonight. But that he was beautiful in God's sight is very significant. Uh, he was beautiful in God's sight. And he was brought up uh, for three months in his father's house. And when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. Now when he was exposed, again, some of you know this, so I, but I'm going to go over it anyway. Uh, Stephen doesn't give us this detail here because it wasn't pertinent to what he was trying to get across when he was talking to the high priest. But when he was exposed, Moses, when he was a baby, there was a decree that went out that uh, Jewish babies had to be killed, right? Male babies had to be killed. And so Moses' mom, afraid that he would be killed, she, I'm not sure how this is much better, but she did. She decided to do this, put him in this basket and put him in a river and float him down river in hopes that somebody would rescue him and raise him as their own, that sort of deal. Well, she floats him down the river and... Pharaoh's daughter picks him up and adopts him, and so he, he grows up in the palace, right? It's kind of cool. I mean, uh, another part of the uh, details that God works out is that uh, Moses' mom ends up being one of the servants that helps raise him. So that's kind of cool, too. So his mom still gets to see him, you know, become an adult and all those sorts of things. So anyway, so we're back in reading here. He says, uh, and when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own. And Moses was instructed... Uh, in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was uh, he was mighty in his words and deeds. Now, one of the things again that Stephen doesn't tell here because it wasn't important to what he was trying to get across is yes, Moses had the best education in his day in Egypt. He was taught by some of the uh, the greatest minds of that time, so he had, he had the best education that uh, that you could get. However, we learn later in the story. Stephen doesn't tell us here, but later in Moses' story, we learn that Moses actually had a speech impediment. We don't know if that was a stutter. We don't know what it was. We had some sort of speech impediment. And, uh, and Moses tried to use this as an excuse. And you'll see as we go uh, that Moses later in life encounters God. And at the point that he encounters God, God says, hey, I need you to go rescue my people, spoiler alert. Um, I need you to go rescue my people. And Moses gives all these excuses, one of them being, man, how am I supposed to be able to go and talk to the Pharaoh and try and set these people free when, I, when I've got a speech impediment? I've got some, some issue that I'm not able to do that. God um, continually says, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I'll provide. I'll provide. Um, and God eventually does provide. How many times in our lives have we felt like we needed to do something, but we come up with an excuse to not do it? How many times, right? You don't have to, like, throw up any numbers. Like, you don't have to do that, right? Um, just think about it. I think 
Like, oh, I can't really make a difference at school because I'm not really popular enough. I'm not really cool enough to make any kind of difference there. Or like, oh, I can't make an impact uh, on that person's life because I don't have all the answers to his questions and that sort of thing. We come up with all these excuses. Uh, but just like God, doesn't, God didn't need Moses' excuses, he just needed his trust. In the same way, God doesn't need our excuses. He just needs our trust. We'll come back to this uh, as we go. But God does not need our excuses. He just needs our trust. So here we go. Jumping back in, verse 23. When he was 40 years old, I know that's like a million years to you guys, but when he was 40 years old, uh, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. So he, Moses, at this point, he's 40. He decides, oh, I'm going to leave the palace I'm going to go out where the slaves are because Israel, the Jewish people, were enslaved to the Egyptians, right? So he decided to go out. He knew that he was Jewish, but he was raised in the Pharaoh's palace. Uh, And so he went out to be with his people, his brothers, as as, uh, Stephen says here. Uh, And reading on, he says, And seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptians. So he, he murdered a man. He killed an Egyptian guy because he was... Uh, he was messing with this Jewish guy. He was oppressing him. So read on. It says, um, Moses, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand. So he thought that the Jewish people would see him as a savior, like a good guy, because he had defended this guy, right? Uh, But as we read on, it says, but they did not understand. And on the following day, so the day after Moses has murdered this guy, right? On the following day, he appeared to them... uh, and these guys, I think it was the same guys or whatever, but some of these guys were arguing, they were quarreling, and Moses tried to reconcile them. So he tried to, he, he said, men, uh, he said, men, you're brothers, why do you wrong each other? But the man who was wronging the other man uh, pushed him, and he said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Uh, at this response, Moses fled and became uh, an exile in the land of Midian, and he became the father of two sons. So at this point in the story, Moses was rescued as a baby from being uh, killed himself, was given the best education that you could get in his day. He was elevated uh, and, and raised in the palace with the Pharaoh, right? And in a moment... He messes up, kills a man, and not only that, he gets rejected by his people. His own flesh and blood uh, connection, the Jewish people, he gets rejected by them. So much so that he has to leave the town in which he grew up in and live somewhere else. Because he's wanted for murder, and they've rejected him. They don't, they don't like him. They don't care for him at all. So he uh, has pushed out. Uh, away from that. But earlier there, it says uh, in verse uh, 25, he says, he supposed that his brothers would understand uh, that God was giving them salvation by his hand. So Moses, before he was ever called, remember at this point, God had not said a word to Moses about him saving the Jewish people. We know later that happens, but at this point in the story, God has not spoken to Moses. But he decided, oh, well, they're going to think that I'm sent from God and I'm going to save them 
because I've, I've, res- I've rescued this one guy from being beaten or whatever it was. So Moses was trying to force a situation that, yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, Moses was trying to force God in a way to make him a savior before he was ever even called to be so. Uh, it makes me think about this story uh, about a boy named Leroy. I know it's, a, it's an awesome name, Leroy. Uh, but this boy, uh, his, he came up to his mom and he said, he said, Mom, I really want a bike. And she said, well, you've been really terrible this last year, so you need to go and write a letter uh, to God and uh, ask him for forgiveness and tell him, like, and maybe he'll give you a bike for your birthday or something. Uh, and so he, he decides, well, okay, fine, I'll do that. He goes up to his room. He sits down, and he starts writing this letter, and he says, Dear God, I've been really, really good this year, and I really want uh, a bike. If you could make it red, that'd be awesome. Thanks. And so he, t- he, he writes this letter, and he goes, uh, and he's walking down. Just as he kind of gets to the door of his room, he says, oh, That's not right. I was lying. And so he goes back. He crumbles that up, throws it away, and he starts writing. He goes, God, I was pretty good this year. Uh, I'd really like a bike if you could find it in your heart to give me a bike. I know I've done some bad things, but if you could just forgive me of that and give me a bike, that'd be awesome. So he like walks, and this time he almost gets to his mom, and then he goes, dang it, that's just not, that's not right. So he crumbles it up, throws it away, and he gets this idea. He goes a couple blocks over to the uh, cathedral, the Catholic uh, church, you know, and he walks in, he finds this little statue of Mary, and he steals it takes it home, gets into uh, his bedroom, sets it up, and he starts writing this letter. And he says, Dear God, I've got your mother. If you won't give me a bike, I'm keeping her. Um, so in the same way, Moses was trying to force God's hand. And we do, we do the same thing. Sometimes we run out ahead of God. And we try, to for, we try to force him to do things that aren't in his timing. As we know in other places in Scripture, God's timing is perfect. We just have to trust him. Just like we were saying, God doesn't need our excuses. He just needs our trust. God doesn't need us to push out ahead of him. He just needs us to trust him. Uh, also, in this little section, we're learning that, uh, that Moses uh, killed a guy, right? And he's, he's run away from all of this. Uh, so that's where, that's where we're at this point. So Moses killed a man. He's, he's run away. He's uh, in this town uh, of Midian that's kind of out in the wilderness, uh, and he's living there. So let's jump back in to the story here. Verse 30. Now in 40 years, so Moses is like 80 at this point, right? So it was 40 years, and then that's when he killed a guy and then went into the, the wilderness uh, in exile. It's been another 40 years. He's 80 years old. People lived a lot longer back then than we do now. Uh, so anyway, he's 80 He's walking, uh, he says, and an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look there, uh, to look, there came uh, the voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses trembled and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet uh, for the place you are standing holy ground. Imagine this, okay? Eyes up here. Imagine this. You're walking through the wilderness. There's a mountain beside you, so you're walking through this little valley. Do, 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 do. You're kind of mind your own business. You catch something out of, the, out of the corner of your eye, and you look up, and there's this big old bush on fire. And you're like, okay, that's random. So you go over to it, and as you get closer, you realize not only is it on fire, but as you get closer and look, the leaves are still green. This bush is still alive. It is not being consumed by this fire at all. Now the, the, you can feel the fire. It's hot. 
but it's not actually burning this bush. It's actually just kind of on the bush, but it's not hurting it at all. And so you're examining this, and you're going, what in the world is happening here? And then all of a sudden, this voice comes out of it and says, I'm the Lord, your God, right? It'd be pretty scary. And so Moses is like peeing on himself, like, all right, well, uh, all right, you're God. And he says, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. Moses didn't really pee on himself. Don't write that down. Um, and so I, I just want you to kind of get this in your mind, okay? This was a complete miracle uh, and, and complete, I don't know, the way God works uh, is insane. But I just, I just can't wrap my brain around it fully that there's this bush that's on fire, but it's not. But it is. But it's not. But it, but it is. But it's not. I don't know. You can go on forever like that. Uh, so here we are, Moses before this burning bush, and God says, so we're reading on here, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people uh, who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. This is where we stop in the, in the story as far as reading in the scripture, okay? So he says, I'm sending you. This is where Moses starts giving those excuses we talked about earlier, right? And, we, and we, we know now that God doesn't need those excuses. All he wants us to do is trust him. When God calls us to do something, we just have to trust him. We're also learning at this point, we're also learning at this point that uh, God does not let, this is your next line there, uh, God does not let our past get in the way of his plan for us. So even though Moses was a murderer, he was rejected by his people, God still said, hey, you're the guy. I've heard my people. I've heard, and I know that they're in exile. I'm going to rescue them, and you're the guy who's going to go do that. Right? So God calls us in times, and we think, man, I'm so messed up. I've done so much craziness. There's been so much craziness happened to me. Listen, all right, this is important. And everybody looking up, everybody looking at me. No matter what you have done in your life, no matter how broken or fallen you are, God still wants to use you for his purposes. God does not let our past affect the plan that he has for us. Now, you may suffer different consequences along the way because of the choices you've made and the things that have happened to you, but God's plan for you is still the same. Make sense? Uh, So Moses, eventually, after he's given all the excuses he can, God's answered all of these things, uh, and God has looked past uh, Moses' murderous past. Uh, God says, look, you're the guy. You need to go. Moses, what happens? Does he eventually go? Right, those who know the story. He eventually goes. He does all these crazy miracles that the Lord allows him to do. And he eventually rescues the Jewish people. These same very people that rejected him 40 years before, he came in and rescued. This tells me, this tells me something uh, about what God did in Moses' heart. Okay? Think about this. There's a time in your life, all of us, even you guys at 
your age. There's a time in your life that you've been rejected by someone, right? There's a time in your life that you've been rejected by someone. Imagine God said, hey, I want you to go rescue them. I want you to go tell them about me so that they can have salvation. Or I want you to go help them do whatever it is. That'd be pretty hard to do, right? Somebody who has rejected you completely, pushed you away, and God says, hey, I want you to go save them. That's what Moses did here. Because God God saw past his excuses. God saw past uh, all the things that had happened in Moses' life and said, I still want to use you. And Moses finally gave him his trust. Here's the last thing on your, uh, your sheet there. God will give us courage if we trust him. So as you, as you move from this place, we, a lot of us just came off of this incredible weekend. D now and we're like pumped up, ready to go, um, tell everybody in the world about Jesus or take on the gates of hell with like a water pistol, like boom, psh, come on, let's do this, right? We're like excited, we're pumped up, ready to go. But at some point, God's going to say, hey, I want you to do this. And you're going to go, uh, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not cool enough. I've Smell weird. I don't, I just, you're going to give all these excuses, right? And some of them are valid and some of them are not. Uh, but God doesn't need your excuses. He just wants you to trust him. There are going to be these other times that you're called to do something. And you're going to say, man, this thing, I did, I did this sin not too long ago. And I, I mean, and this person knows about it and all these things. I can't, I can't do that, God. I can't do it. And God's going to say, hey, look, I don't care what happened. I have forgiven you for that. I need you to go do that. So God doesn't let our past get in the way of his plan for us. And the last thing, when you finally do give in and trust God the way he wants you to, and you get past all the excuses, and you get over all the stuff, and you finally trust God, he gives you the courage to be able to do that. You don't just naturally have that courage on your own. Make sense? You've got to give up and trust God. And as you move forward and do the things that he's asked you to do, he'll give you that courage. Let me pray, and then we're going to move into smorgas. God, I, I thank you that you, uh, you love us so much, and you want us to be a part of your work so much that you look through all the brokenness, all the fallenness, that you use us even when we are people who aren't worthy to be used. I ask that you would use these teenagers in this room in some crazy, awesome ways, Lord, that would push them way out of their comfort zones and they would have to completely trust you. But, Lord, they would be able to look back and go, God's the one that did that. Holy Spirit, be with us as we move into small group times, guide our conversations, help us to, to dig into these things and understand them more about who you are and who we are in Christ, I pray. Amen.